in our series uh, on Romans. Today we're uh, taking a sort of a sidestep and you're going to get an example of what uh, Romans says. We are saved by grace through faith, not by works. We all heard that. We don't understand that. We hear that. Saved by grace. No, don't, don't bother finding the uh, passage today. It's okay. Saved by grace through faith. And we're looking at a person who's very interesting. He's called Samson. Who knows the story of Samson? Who likes that one? Okay. This is MA 15 plus, just so you know. Okay. It comes to the time of judges. That means there was a time where there were leaders of Israel. They called them judges who were, there was no constant line. There was no kings. The difference with a king is the king has a son who becomes the king. But with the judges, they were once off. And uh, it was a cycle where Israel would do evil and then uh, God would send the enemy to take over them, the Philistines often. And then the people would cry out to the Lord and he would send a judge or a leader to basically defeat the enemy. And that's what happened uh, with Samson. And this is about 1100 BC perhaps. And a man named Manoah and his wife were unable to have children. And God sent an angel to them, as often happened in Scripture, and says, you're going to have a son. And the angel said, now he's got to be a Nazarite from birth. He's kind of set aside in a special way. He's not allowed to have any wine. He's not allowed to touch anything unclean, dead bodies, for instance, and no haircuts. No haircuts throughout his life. That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? That's, that's what's happened to me already. Um, <coughs> and um, as Samson grew, the Lord, it says the Lord blessed him and the Holy Spirit started to stir him. And uh, he, had made, he had great promises made to his parents. He was an only child. Is there anyone here who's an only child? That's good. We can pay him out. Um, <laughs> what is it about only children? A kind of a sense of entitlement, perhaps, or maybe they're a bit spoiled. Especially, imagine if you're an only child who gets told from the time you're this high from your parents, you're going to be great. And uh, Samson, unfortunately, grows up with a bit of this. And he, he kind of knows how to work his parents pretty well. So with that in mind, the Philistines are the enemy. They rule over Israel. Uh, and we're going to start at Judges chapter 14, verse 1. Samson went down to Timnah and saw a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his mother and uh, father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Go and get me her for a wife. Come on, hop to it. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. So he's pretty demanding right up front. Uh, Go and get her for me. And um, he was, we told though, straight after that, even though, right, Samson hasn't got it together, God had allowed or set up the situation, which is kind of what, hangs over the whole of Samson's life. God's doing things behind the scenes. That's good for us to know, isn't it? God is always working behind the scenes in whatever we face in our life. 
He is there. Even in the times where we get it wrong, even when we're making bad decisions, he's still using us and the things that go on. But the heart of the book of, uh, of Judges, particularly with regard to Samson, is this. And this is a bit hard to understand. God even uses our sin to achieve his purposes. I'll pause there because that's a bit unacceptable. We think that if God is going to use us, we have to be doing the absolute best we can, very obedient, very righteous and all that sort of stuff. But this story will smash that apart. I'll let it do it. I don't have to, I don't have to make this up. But I can just say this. If God could only achieve anything in this world when you were obedient and a, and a righteous, he would do nothing in this world. That's a bit of a dig at all of us. Okay, so they're travelling up to Timnah to get the girl and uh, Samson seems to be on his own at this time and a lion jumps out at him. Lions are big, right? You, you know how, how big are lions? About that tall? And if they jump out at you, there's trouble, right? Big trouble. Okay. The spirit of the Lord comes upon him and with his bare hands, he actually tears the lion to pieces. Like tearing it to pieces means pulling its arms and legs off. Right. That's the spirit of the Lord coming on him with his bare hands. And that's the first time we see this. God has blessed Samson by giving him incredible strength. And that is incredible. Beyond normal, beyond what's possible. And he leaves the carcass there and they go down, they make arrangements for the wedding and he, he's coming back and uh, he sees the carcass of the lion and the, the bees have actually built like a, a hive in the ribcage and there's honey so he goes and gets some and eats it, which is breaking the rules. You're not allowed to touch dead stuff when you're in Nazareth, but that's, uh, that's, Samson does a bit of not doing what you're supposed to do. And, um, and uh, he shares it, but this puts his... You know, he's, he's one of these guys who... Actually, I'm not going to read it all today, but he has these little jingles going through his head. He makes up little poems about what he's done. And uh, he gets to the wedding and the, the Philistines give him 30 men to attend to him, to help you out with all his needs for getting ready for the wedding. And uh, he's sitting around and he gives them a riddle. Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. And he says, if you can work out what that means in seven days, that's the length of the wedding feast, I'll give you a new set of clothes each, like maybe a wedding suit or something like that. But if you don't guess it, you've got to give me one set of clothes each. I get 30 sets of clothes. He's on a winner, he thinks. Now, these, after about three days, the, these blokes realise they haven't got a hope of solving the riddle. So they come to his bride. They sneak up to her and they, well, they actually give her quite a threat. They, said, they say, uh, find out the answer for us or we'll kill you and your parents. Just a little threat, I guess. Not that bad. So Samson's wife threw himself on him, sobbing, you hate me. A new bride saying that, ouch. You don't really love me. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. And then it says, she proceeded to cry for the next few days. (laughs) 
It's a good honeymoon, isn't it? So he gives in and he tells her the answer. She goes and tells the 30 men and he, he's a bit angry about that. Uh, how angry? Well, um, he, he goes off. He kills 30 Philistines, gets their clothes and gives them to the men. Probably bloodstains, maybe a few spear holes through them or something like that. Like He didn't say they were perfect clothes, did he? And um, now remember, the Philistines are the bad guy. And somehow we're told right at the start, God is using this situation to bring about his salvation. This, this, and this situation includes Samson, who as far as being moral, is a bit twisted. Now, after this, he walks off from the wedding reception in disgust and he goes home to his parents. Um, he doesn't like what, how, how things have gone and maybe his new wife. And the father, this is all a bit messed up, so the father gives his wife to another man. Turns out to be a mistake, we'll find out, but anyway. But God uses this whole situation to defeat the Philistines. I, I, I just keep saying that. So later on, Samson returns to think that he'll come back to the wife and he finds out that there's a bad situation and the father says, look, take the other daughter. She's more attractive. Um, he's not. Now he gets really angry and he does something which I think is quite miraculous. He catches 300 foxes. Foxes are hard to catch. That's got to be a spiritual gift of catching foxes. And then he puts him in pairs. He gets a torch, you know, like a flaming torch, ties it on a piece of string, ties their tails together and shoes them out into the crops. 150 pairs, okay? Into, so he's wandering over the neighbourhood. He burns up, it says, their corn crops. He burns up their olive groves, their vineyards. And they are quite unhappy about this. So uh, actually they go and take the life of the wife and the parents as they promised they would anyway. And then they go to the, uh, the Israel, Israelites and say, hand us over Samson or we'll kill you all. And the Israelites are a bit weak and definitely scared. And so they go to uh, Samson and say, you've got to be handed over and we've got to tie you up, hand it over. And Samson says, okay, tie me, get a nice new rope, that'll be good. And they walk him into the Philistines' camp. As he gets there, he doesn't wait around too long, he snaps the ropes and then he picks up the nearest thing, which happens to be the jawbone of a donkey, sort of around the thing with some teeth, and he starts smashing Philistine skulls. He kills 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. How about that? It's not allowed in UFC competitions, I've heard. Um, Got to understand, this is not natural. Right? This is a gift from God. God is doing something in him and giving him strength. Now, Samson is not the most holy or obedient person, but God is still using him to defeat the Philistines. Now, it turns out it's hard work killing a thousand people with a donkey's jawbone. And at the end of it, he is really, really thirsty. And a little bit depressed. It's a bit like Elijah, actually, when he you know, has the Mount Carmel thing. And you get the first sign that uh, Samson actually prays. He knows something about God in chapter 15, verse 18. He says, it's not a great prayer. 
You have given the, your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? So he's having a bit of a complaint to God. Um, and God opens up like a, I guess in around this area, you call it a melon hole and it just fills up with water and he gets to drink and move on. God supplied for Samson. Now, what happens next in Samson's life shows his great weakness as a man. He has unusual strength. He can defeat, he, but he has, he can defeat people, he can beat people up, but he has a weakness. It's women. He has, he has a weakness with lust, with sexual temptation, and that began with his first marriage, but it, it, gets, uh, it gets out of hand. Because, you see, he was a very strong man. If you'd seen him, you'd say, he's defeating the Philistines, but inside there is a passion and a sin in him which he actually is uncontrollable. So in chapter 16, we hear in the first verse, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute and he spent the night with her. So he makes a long trip to see a prostitute back back to the Philistines. And now remember, the, Samson, uh, the Philistines, after he killed that thousand people, he's not on their like, most popular list. They find out where he is, and so they make a plan. They, they hang, gonna, we wait at the city gates in the morning, and we're going to take him when he comes. But in the middle of the night, he gets up. He goes and he rips the city gates off of the hinges, bars and all, and it says he carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron which may not mean much to you. But uh, the, the hill that faces Hebron is 60 kilometres away. The gates of the, of the city, they estimate weigh about four tonnes. Okay. If I say to you his strength comes from the Lord, it doesn't come from doing push-ups and weights. Okay? Because people who do push-ups and weights don't carry four tonnes for 60 kilometres. Is that true? I did have a little fiddle online to see how much people have actually lifted and no one's lifted four tonnes ever. <laughs> I can just say that. you believe me on that. And in it, but when they have lifted the heaviest weight, you know, they lifted about that high and they don't heave it onto their back and carry it. That. Well, I'm saying this. His strength is from God. Understand that. It's not muscle man. He could have been muscly like I am. Uh, it wouldn't have mattered. It was the strength. I also want you to see in this, the Bible is brutal for bringing, showing the reality of people's sin. It doesn't sort of paint anyone in a good light. Hey, we, the only, only one who's sinless is Jesus. I mean, you think about Abraham and all his lies and Moses who kills a bloke and David who... Well, we all know the stories of David and Solomon with his 700 wives or however many and Peter with his failures and Paul breathing out. Mercy. The Bible shows people in the reality as it does with Samson. Then in verse 4, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, which is sort of halfway between the Philistine territory and the Israel territory. Her name was Delilah. So the, she's played by Elizabeth Hurley in the movie if you watch it. So just that's probably fitting. Um, moving on. The Philistines said to her, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength 
and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So, so she's up for a big payment. And for the third time, Samson has a thing not just for women, but Philistine women, women of the enemy. And it says he falls in love with her. He is besotted with this woman. He is just absolutely over the top about her. She's not with him. She's in it for the money, actually. She's going to make a lot of money. And this is the beginning of Samson's demise. His his sexual desires, which promise fulfilment, they promise satisfaction, as they do in this world. Sexual desires promise that, don't they? And the evil one loves to use uh, sexual sin to bring people down. And Samson, he's confused. He thinks that strong emotions and strong passion for love must be good, but they're destructive and dangerous. And he loses all of his good judgment and he blindly goes forward with Delilah. And it brings him down. Um, it's always a good thing to think, you know, I reckon I can, I can hold out, I can overcome temptation. No, it's not a good thing. We can't. We, we often think if there's a line there, we, could, we can muscle right up to that line and push the boundaries. But we'll be right. I'll be able to pull back at the right minute. The evil one loves to take us to that point and then to destroy us. Okay, so he's besotted. She's in it for the money. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how it can be tied up and subdued. She just comes out and asks it, and he doesn't smell a rat at all. He's thick or he's blinded. So he doesn't tell her the truth straight away. He makes up something about if you tie him down with seven new bowstrings, you know, uh, that have never been dried, he'll become weak. And then, this, and then she calls out, you know, the Philistines are upon you, and he breaks the bowstrings and... Uh, uh, and then she's a bit angry with him. And then they play all sorts of games. I, he, he plays games. He tells her, oh, this will make me weak. This will make me weak. I'll, I'll read it. Then Delilah said to Samson, you made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him down. Then the men, with men hidden in the room, she called out, Samson, the Philistine's upon you but he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. He replied, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric of a loom and tighten it with a pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, she does that. He, he wakes up and he pulls his hair out and it's all good. Now he's playing a game, but he doesn't realise he's playing with fire. He is, just imagine this, he is very, very strong. But in one moment, that strength will be gone. That's, that's, what, that's what playing with sin does. Sin is crouching at his door like a lion waiting to destroy him. Except you don't want to face a lion when you don't have strength. But he's in love and he has this vain idea that his strength has always got him out of this problems before. He presumes on God. Then she said to him, 
How can you say, I love you? This sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it? How can you say, I love you, when you won't confide in me? If you really loved me, you've made a fool of me and you haven't told me the secret of your great strength. And then it says, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. (laughs) That's completely unrealistic. That sort of thing never happens. (laughs) Right. He should have remembered those lines, shouldn't he? If you really love me, he'd heard it that other time. But he's love struck and so he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head was shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. He goes to sleep, shaves his head and in that moment it's all over. The Philistines wander in and immediately gouge out his eyes. They humiliate him. They put him in prison. He pushes a grindstone uh, like a donkey, I guess. Now, great man, Samson, hey? I want to jump forward. I'm going to tell you the end of the story in a minute. But I want to jump forward to an amazing verse in the New Testament. I'm not going to read it. It's in Hebrews chapter 11. But Hebrews chapter 11 is a list of people who had faith. They are heroes of the faith. They are witnesses of the faith. And Samson's name's in there. Really? You'll meet Samson in heaven. He was a man who had faith. Or was he a selfish, entitled, womanising thug? Yes. Yes, he was. Now, as we studied Romans, we find out this. We are saved by faith. That is, when we trust in what God has done and not our own goodness. Well, Samson never had much goodness to rely on, did he? You've really, really got to look hard to find any, and even when you find it, you're still not sure. I mean, Samson, how many people read the story of Samson to their kids at night and go, you should be like Samson when you grow up? (laughs) Yay. Good on (laughs) you. Yeah. But you see, understand this, if we look at any person, including ourselves, and say, look at what that person's done, they can't be a Christian, we have works righteousness at our heart. That is salvation by works. Do you get that? Yeah? If we can't see their works, well, they can't be a Christian. That's our judgment, of course. But faith, he saved us not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. And he also didn't save us not because of the unrighteous things we hadn't done. Right. In other words, we haven't done good stuff and we've done bad stuff. That's what salvation by faith means. If you think that God can only use you when you are being good and obedient, you're still thinking of salvation by works. We had a friend, well, he's still a friend, I guess. Um, He was a pastor. And this is a bad story. I'm going to tell you a bad story. And you'll hate this story. I hated it for a long time until I understood that you are saved by faith. He played cricket and he wanted to show the rest of his team that he was a good Christian man. 
And so he acted good around them and he said holy things to them. You know what you try and do when you're a Christian. Yeah? This is how I'm going to convert people. This is how I'm going to, I'm going to, if they can see how good I am, yeah. And he was on the cricket field and he, I, I'm not quite sure, I don't remember this bit, of, he either dropped a catch or he bowled a doozy and it got hit. And he swore. Yeah. Good Christian man. He swore. And one of the blokes in the team said, you know, that Christian bloke, I can relate to him and wanted to find out about his faith afterwards. Don't you hate that story? Right. But you understand, you see, when we think it's going to be our goodness that's going to cause people, what we can't see is that we are saved by faith and actually we fall short at every moment of every day. We know that's true, don't we? Yeah? Okay. The reason that Samson's story makes us uneasy and that we think, well, he shouldn't be in there is because all he ever does is wrong and what he never does is right. And he dances with temptation that we think we can overcome. He goes, he thinks he can stop. Now, as I've said before, Jody says I'm addicted to brake fluid, but I said, no, I can stop. Um, now, okay. What I'm saying here, there is good news for us. We are saved through faith in the finished work of God. Even in our failures and sins and brokenness, God still does his work through us because it is not our strength. It's his strength. Yeah? We can't lift the kitchen door and carry it for 400 metres. He carried four tonnes, right? That's his strength, right? Well, everything about what happens with us and our usefulness for God and our salvation has come from him. And when we live in that, it's good. Do you get what I'm saying? And he actually will turn embarrassing endings and humiliating failures into victory because it's his plans and his purpose. And we can have faith in that and that's good. Do you get that? Yeah. That makes us extremely useful people in Christian world, doesn't it? In our failings, through our failings, despite our failings, God's working through it all. So how, let's, let's go to the end of the story. Verse 23 of chapter 16. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into his hands. I forgot a bit. His hair's starting to grow back. Okay, we'll move on. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God, that's Dagon, has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them. You don't really know what he performed, but it's kind of probably like, let's make fun of the blind guy who used to be strong. It's a good game. Yep. And Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All of the rulers of the Philistines were there and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. All the Philistine leaders and 3,000 spectators on the roof having a, having a watch. 
all mocking Samson and mocking Samson's God. What a setup God's put there, hey? What a setup. This didn't happen by accident. Yeah? This didn't happen by accident. God has set it up. Then Samson prayed. Second prayer of Samson. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Remember me. Actually, not that long ago, we talked about a prayer where another bloke said, remember me. Remember him on the cross. Remember me. Because understand this. If Jesus remembers you, all is good for you forever. Yeah, forever. Eternally. And this is actually a humble prayer. Remember me. Because it's not, hey God, have a look at me. I've, I've come up to you. How am I doing? I'm doing good. Hey. No. Remember me. It's not, I deserve to be saved. It's, if you don't remember me, I'm finished. Remember me in my weakness. Because that's where Samson was. He was in his weakness, his humiliation. Maybe he's had some thinking time now. Maybe he's realised that his strength is not his strength. It comes from God because, you see, for the first time he actually asked for strength. He just took it for granted before. He has faith. He trusts God. Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them. Now, I, one of the commentaries I ever read, in great detail, he didn't just push them apart, saying that he got his arms around them and he threw them forward. Otherwise, it wouldn't work, apparently, the way it all happened. So having they dug up what old temples looked like in that era. So he put his right hand on one and his other on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus, he killed many more when he died than when he lived. He died. God defeated the Philistines through him. He was a sinful man of faith. Can you see that? We don't want to look down on him. Don't look down on him because that's blind. That's proud. Trust in God's grace alone. God used Samson, a sinful, fallen, weak man of faith, and he defeated the enemy through him. And God will use us, sinful, fallen, weak men and women of faith, and he will defeat the enemy through us. Later on in the end of Romans, it's going to say, and you will crush Satan's head under your feet, the church. That's what we do. He will bring about his plans and he will use weak, sinful, fallen men and women of faith just like us. This is good news. I'm going to pray. Father, we want to give you thanks that you have saved us that is by your grace and your mercy alone. And Father, we give you thanks that you've called sinful people like us to be your children and that you have taken away our sins, you've cleansed us and made us righteous. And Father, not only that, you've made us holy, set apart and useful for your work in this world. And we thank you, Father, that you give us this great dignity that we can be called children of God and that we can live in the character of you and that we can do your work in this world.
And we thank you that it is all by your grace. And we just say, Father, you are glorious. You are beautiful. You are wonderful beyond anything we could ever achieve or imagine. You are the God of all grace. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.